I wanted to say thanks for inviting me on your podcast, the Developpreneur Podcast. When we started talking, I had no idea you were going to turn it into four separate episodes, but I do appreciate that. Obviously, we had a lot to talk about. Yeah, it was one of those. I had no idea either, but that's the way it goes. If you go in with a nice little question list of, hey, here's five questions I'm going to ask any answers, it's easy. If you just sort of leave it wide open and say, what do you think about this? Amazingly, you get some really good answers out of it. And sometimes it takes a little while to explore those. Yeah, no kidding. But I really appreciate the opportunity to have that time to do it. So I definitely wanted to have you on my podcast because obviously we talked about personal branding on your podcast, but you have a very specific sector in which you work. Mm -hmm. And it's a sector that I don't think a lot of people necessarily associate with personal brands in a big way. And yet the developer universe, if you will, of stuff that you're trying to do is all dedicated about getting developers, software developers to actually be more than just their certifications and their backgrounds. Am I getting that right? That is exactly correct. And it is, it really is. It's, they don't think of it that way because developers do not usually have a lot of marketing or sales in their background, but it is, it really, it is. It's about creating a personal brand and making yourself. And it, it really is. It speaks very much to the, the nonfiction brand that you talk about and write about. One of the things that I find interesting is that you seem to, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, you seem to embrace the idea that a developer is not just the certifications that they have or the languages they know or the frameworks they've developed in, those are tools. In my world, I would say those are tools. I'm not concerned about tools change all the time. What I'm concerned is about the craftsman or the craftswoman who wields them. And I think that's where branding exists. It's not that look at the way I swing a hammer. It's I can take your dream of a, a dream home and turn it into reality. And you don't have to worry your head about it because I've got everything under control. If you ask me, a brand that it offers a premium offering like that, dream home realization without any hassle, that's worth a whole lot more than just some Johnny on the spot who swings a hammer. Exactly. And that's precisely what it is. In the developer world, you're so focused early on a language skill or a certification or something that is that tool. That's what you live in is that tool. And it's really breaking free from the idea that you're defined by the tool. Instead saying you're defined and you define yourself by the problems you solve, the solutions you can provide. The tools are just that. They're just tools. If you want to stick with a tool and be a specialist for a tool, that's not the same. That's one thing if you're just a hammer swinger. That's not the same as being an architect or someone that can provide a, a dream home to somebody. Yeah. And I don't want to pick on my brother too much, but my <laughs> older brother is one of those older, call it the twilight of his career developers and uh, coders. And he happens, I don't even know what the language is, but it's one of those deprecated languages or that no one wants to use, but a lot of people have legacy systems that require it. So consequently, he's one of the one of the few guys in the country who can actually do that. And he's OK, because, as I say, he's in the last act of his career. He'll be able to ride this wave into the beach. But if you're a younger developer who thinks that well, if I learn this specific framework or this specific language, it's going to see me through the end of my career. What's your advice to that person who has that point of view? Oh, definitely. It's to change your point of view. 
that's not going to be successful. You can try to, it's essentially, it's, it can be a niche, but you know, play in itself to say, I want to do this thing, but there's no guarantee that thing, that tool, that framework, that whatever it is that you're working with is going to last for a career. Even if you look at in the last you know couple of decades, now somebody could say, oh, if you can know the ins and outs of dealing with the Facebook environment, then you're never going to go wrong. Then you can go point to maybe America Online or CompuServe or all of the other dead technologies and platforms. And even in some cases, corporations that have either gotten swallowed up or just died a, a natural death because something replaced them. Technology is one of those areas, the tech jobs there's just too much motion in there. There's too much recycling and, and moving into new technologies to be able to make a career. Yeah. One of the things I always like to say is be the artisan, not the tool, or be the craftsperson, not the craft itself. Because obviously there are some uh, buckets of activity developers need to specialize in. If you're a back-end guy, if you're a user experience designer oriented developer if you're this that and the other thing there is a little bit of specialization involved but it's not necessarily a specialization in the tool so much as the desired deliverable or outcome i have a very good friend of mine who's long experience as a graphic designer actually prepared him perfectly for the world of game development and before he got the job with a major software studio, major gaming studio. He loved gaming. He did gaming. He was a gamer, but he thought that whole area was closed off to him because he was a traditional print or advertising and marketing oriented uh, designer. He discovered that was not in fact the case. He was able to get his foot in the door and now he's climbing pretty darn rapidly the ladder because he is not only a master of his tools he's a master of what those tools create and the strategy behind it it's not just the tactics of using the tool it's understanding the strategy of the entire user experience from the second they log on to the time that they have the final boss fight and conquer the bad guy because he has that kind of global universal view he's much more valuable than someone who gets trapped in the pixels or the, the kind of bricks and mortar of development. Do you see that as something that works across the sector? It's more important to be a strategic-oriented person. Is it better to go wide or deep? I guess that's another way of asking the question. It's a good question. You can go both, or you can, not both, but one or the other. Developer world, we, we usually talk about them as coders versus developers. There's those that can write code and sometimes can write very a lot of code very quickly, but that's not the same as those that are more developers, more that software engineering side. And we actually talk a lot about the idea of, like, we'll call them like complementary skills or tangential skills, particularly in the world of technology, because stuff moves you'll have a technology, you're going gangbusters for a couple of years and that's maybe you're consulting and or you're in a, a company, that's all you do for a couple of years. All these other skills fade into the background a little bit because you're so focused on technology X, whatever it happens to be. But along the way, there are things that you know and that you can do 
that when that technology dies and technology X plus one or Y or whatever comes up, there are skills you have that you can transition into those. And so that's really that artisan, that, that part of it. It's like, it's one thing to know a tool. And that's part of what we try to really preach a lot is that you've these tools, but just because you know them doesn't mean you don't know how to use similar tools. It was interesting going through your book because really that figure out what your core is, your three things, like this is what I am. That really, that kind of concept is really important in a developer world, because as you said, you can be, you may be a front end person, a back end person, a middle tier person. You may worry more about user experience or quality or data. There's so many different or security. There's so many things in there. Talking to somebody about their goal, their roadmap for their career. What is it that you enjoy? What is it that you're good at? And what is it that take tools out of it? What is it that you say you either that you do or that you want to do? Because sometimes we do stuff we don't enjoy that much, but that's part of mapping out your career is say, okay, if you like to do this, then these are the kinds of areas that you want to focus on. Maybe these are the tools you want to work in. Cause then when you say, Hey, I know that tool, it's backwards in the developer world because you can say, Hey, I know that tool. And people assume that actually more than you do. If you can say, I've used it once, then they'll say, oh, at least you've used it one more time than the people that haven't. As opposed to asking the questions of, do you know how to work in, like, maybe if I'm a financial company, do you know how to work in a financial sector? Do you know how to solve those kinds of problems? Or do you understand healthcare? It's really a cart before the horse almost kind of thing. It says, well, do you know this tool? Really, the tool's not that important. And a lot of the times that's, and even in the mentoring particularly, that's a lot of times where I'll talk to the people about interviews those questions are not very useful. It's much more useful to switch those around and focus on what is it you really want to solve as opposed to what is the tool that you have. It's interesting. I'm talking with Rob Broadhead, whose developer podcast in what I would call mini universe is all about helping, or I'll just take the, the tagline from your website, building better developers. It's all about that. And when he says developers, He's not talking about people who build homes in farm fields outside major metro areas. He's talking about people who get their hands dirty with code and the development of software, gaming, anything to do with the digital space. I'm talking with him the day after Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp were down for how many hours? Five hours, four, five, six hours or something like that. And it came down, and again, correct me because I don't know the lingo, but it came down to one incorrect registry error that literally closed the door to everything Facebook. If you were that person who understood the DNS directories, systems and protocols and all that stuff, how valuable would you be to a Facebook, Instagram and WhatsApp? If you could diagnose and fix that problem within minutes instead of hours, I can't even imagine the amount of money, the revenue, a reputation, and you name it, that Facebook and company lost because of that outage, especially since it was the day after a big expose on 60 Minutes where they came off not smelling like a rose. I think you could put it that way. Yeah. And that's the, that's the neat thing about the, the technology sector is there's a lot of those kinds of situations where you have, when you think of things like data breaches, 
and hackers and things like that and downtime of any sort. If you're a, if you're an Amazon or actually if you're any retailer on, for example, like Black Friday or that time, the amount of revenue you lose is, can be amazingly high in a matter of minutes. And so you have people that if you're that person, if you understand that niche where you can keep things running hundred percent during those times, or you can flip a switch or solve a problem on the fly that, you know, all the systems are down and now you can bring them up in minutes instead of hours. Those are the kinds of areas there are, there are definitely places you can go to, to do that. And it, it's the kind of stuff that, yeah, you may not be needed every day, but when you are definitely needed. And so it's, it does allow the technology people to really specify very highly what it is that they like to do. What, do they like being under the fire? Do they like being behind the scenes? They like working with games. So they like working with creatives. They want to work with more financial people. It's definitely a wide open area. And because it's, it, that's the problem is because people start off thinking about tools more than the environment and the world that they're walking into. They get very myopic sometimes in their approach where really it's look, the world's your oyster in a sense. You, if you want to go into something, you can go into it basically from a technology point of view. What do you think is the biggest mistake young developers make? Is it the, the kind of focus on tools instead of what things are in their wheelhouse, not only in terms of their skill set, but also in their interests, in their basic DNA personality? I think so. I think the focus on, and this is, as I talk to people in other industries, it's not, I don't think it's as bad, but probably in some, it is where your resume early on is such as an important thing because, and probably it's particularly because in the technology world, your resume, they're going to look for keywords. And those keywords mm-hmm. are usually going to be either a certification or a language. It's sometimes it will be something bigger. That's more important the industry that you've worked in, or maybe certain types of problems that you saw, but those those are harder to search for anyways. So it's, it falls back on the initial search in a search engine. Your first thing is give me, if you're looking for a developer to help you out with your music, you're going to say it's, maybe it's about guitars and it's about whatever your operating system is and some sort of generic problem. And you're going to go searching for it. That's what they're taught to do that. And it's, you almost have to be untaught that is not the best approach. Instead, you really need to think about the problems you're solving, the solutions you're going to try to provide. And it does go back to, to being happy. Some of it is, it's such a broad, technology is such a broad area. It's figure out the one that works for you. For example, you could say going at like music. If you want to go in the music industry, people aren't going to, if you say you're in the music industry, they're not going to stop. Oh, you're in the music industry. It's going to be are you an artist? Are you into the management side? Do you do, are you into the touring side? You know, it's, are you in the recording side? It's, I think technology, sometimes even people in the industry don't realize how big and broad it is and that they need to, or they have the opportunity to, and it is beneficial to them to figure out what is it that you really like in this, this big, huge thing. Where's that little circle that you want to call home? This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. 
Jay Bear, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. We've talked and you've had the opportunity to take a look at my book so you understand the vocabulary I use when I talk about things like aligning yourself not only with your desired outcome, place you want to work, but with who you are, who you deeply are. And by deeply, the example I always use is myself. I, I can do design and layout and stuff like that using Adobe Illustrator, InDesign and all that stuff. But that is not my best destiny to quote Spock in one of the early cinematic versions of Star Trek. My first best destiny is to be creative. The, the first principle is I am creative. You come to me for creative ideas and solutions. The tools will vary. But if you want someone to bounce ideas off of or to make you stretch your definition of what you think is possible, you come to me. Other people are very analytical. They can take in a ton of data and tease out that one kernel of gold that is worth millions because they have been able to assay and analyze this data set. And that's their value. Who's more valuable, the creative guy or the analyst who saves you $5 million? Both are valuable. It's dependent on what you are. So if I were to say to Rob Broadhead, who I'm talking to right now, who are you? How would you answer that question based on my kind of first principles idea? What kind of first principle concept is your native homeland? This was actually one of the things that got me started down the, the road that I've gone down is that I'm, I really am in, in some, to some extent a creative. I'm definitely more on that creative side than the, the analytical side, but I have enough of a mix of the analytical side that the two are what really combine to make me more as a problem solver. Because I like the analytical side of a problem of figure out what that problem is, analyze it, take a good look at it. But then the creative side of, okay, Let's take that and find a solution for it. And so that feeds both of those desires. And I think there's definitely a big swath of technology people. That's what they got into it for. It's not because they wanted to sit there in front of a computer and type all day. It's because they either from a, a math and a logic point of view or from a more of a business point of view, they had problems that they want to solve. And that's even, even if you're like a game developer or something, it's how do I take this concept of this game, whatever it is, and these rules and turn it into something that is now presentable to people that they can go play this game and enjoy it. You can take areas that don't, you may not normally think of as solving a problem, but it really is. It comes down to, I want to take this thing and I want to automate it, or I want to present it to people in a digital form, or there's other variations on that theme. As a word guy, I've always thought the term software engineer was an interesting one. Because an engineer, going all the way back to the beginning of the word's definition, goes back to the earliest engines, which were designed to pump water out of mines in England and stuff like that. It was all about then turning that steam engine into something that could power wheels 
on tracks to create steam engines that became train engines. So there's always been in my mind this very real definition of what an engine is. And yet for the longest time, I I didn't make the connection with software engineering until I realized, oh, it's the same thing. It's all about taking concepts that are floating in the air and nailing them down and building structures from independent structural members, if you will, to create something that actually works and works robustly and is fixable if needed, extensible and scalable if needed. That's when it made sense to me. So that's very much like the, what I'm talking about conceptually. You don't ever have to work in a metal lathe or a CNC machine to be an engineer. The same way an architect never has to have a hammer in their hand. They have to design. They have to think and understand code. Not, and when I say code, I, regulations for buildings and stuff like that. There's always a code and code, the, again, word guy, I love the word code because it means different things to different people. But here's the truth about you as a personal brand. You have to have a code as well. That code that defines you, that code that is shareable with other people so they understand who you are, what you do and how you do it. And I look at your resume and the fact that you had a company for a period of time called IT for Recruiters which was clearly doing that bridging thing that you mentioned, bridging the creative side to the hard coding side and being able to speak those foreign languages, as if you will, in a way that people understand. So it appears to me that you've been working that kind of like a bridge. So if I were to say, Rob, my initial take on what you do is you bridge. You are a bridge maker, a bridge builder, a connection builder. But I like the bridge concept because in my mind, there's a gap that has to be crossed, not filled, but crossed. Because if you're the person who just fills the gap, that's not exactly what I think you do. Am, Am I understanding you correctly? Because you're more, I want these two disparate islands to connect back and forth seamlessly with great communication and great success. I'm not there just to fill the gap. Yeah. And that is one of the things I do a lot of the, it's that creative, like again, that sort of creative versus the analytical side is that translation is talking to the people that have the problems and understanding the problem in enough depth that then I can take that over to the solution side and translate that. Now for myself, I, I have done the implementation. And so that's kind of stuff where, you know, in the past I, and I understand that enough that I know that here's some of the gotcha. It's sort and it does, if you think about codes, if you were, if you're an architect and at some point you worked as a, in construction in like New York or LA or somewhere where the codes around that area, you know that, oh, this is typically what you're going to deal with in say in the US, but in these areas, here's some additional codes based on you know, geography or weather, all that kind of stuff. It's the same thing is that I can go talk to the people on the problem side and I know enough of the codes that I can help make those translations and bridge the gap to the solution side and say, this is what needs to be done. And it's where that analytical detail side falls off for me because that doesn't, I don't have as much enjoyment out of that. It's the, it's, it is the understanding the problem and translating it over and the actual filling in the gap is something that's left to somebody else. Do you see what we've just done there, Rob and I, nonfiction branders? 
we've identified that, yes, he can speak the language of the one island. Yes, you can understand the solution that's required or the challenge that's required by the other island. And he's able to bridge those two things together, which is different than just plugging the gap. Is it a subtle difference? Yes, it is. Is it a valuable difference? Yes, it is. Because not everybody needs, I don't want to hire you just to sit there as a plug. I want you to come in, fix this thing, get it taken care of, and see you later. You're not on our payroll. You're a consultant, right? And that's a cleavage right there. Do you want to be full-time or do you want to be a hired gun freelance consultant? You better know something about yourself before you make that decision. And we're going to be talking a lot more about that in next week's episode. But for now, I need to wrap up this episode because Rob will be back next week. And I want to let people know how they can get in touch with you. Rob, let's say I'm a young coder. I got questions. I'm a young developer. I want to make sure I'm not going off in my career the wrong direction. Is there a way I could get a hold of you and maybe ask a few questions or something? The easiest way is the developpreneur.com website. It's not the easiest spelling. It's D-E-V-E-L-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. And the email is pretty simple. It's info at developpreneur.com. That'll get to me. And we've got all kinds of signup forms and uh, there's tons of content there. So you can check that out. You can search that name on YouTube and see even more content. But email is the easiest way to directly get to me and ask any questions, either myself or somebody that is part of our sort of our community. We'll be more than happy to reach out and help where possible. And you've also got the Developpreneur podcast. How often does that come out? It's currently, I'm, I'm in a series of interviews and doing them twice a week. So Tuesdays and Thursdays, it's, uh, it's developing or, or that's where the building better developers really got focused more. Uh, because if you try to ask Alexa to, to fire off developing or podcast, it gets a little confused. Yeah. If you tell Alexa to do building better developers, it will bring up the latest episode. And of course, that's out on Apple podcasts and the billions of other places that you can find podcasts as well. Definitely check it out. If, if you're in the technology sector in any form whatsoever, I think there's value to be had checking out what uh, Rob and his guests have to say on the Developpreneur podcast. Because again, it's interesting that personal branding is beginning to show its head in an area where you may not expect. If you want that type of inspiration to get off your butt and actually do something about driving your career instead of having your career drive you, check out the Developpreneur podcast. That's it for me this week. I would love for you to like, subscribe, refer, and review this podcast wherever you find it because that really helps other people find it. I am, of course, your host, DP Knutton, and he is Rob Broadhead. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>